Oh, hey there. Welcome to Trash Teachers. This episode features just me, Trash Teacher Rachel, because Lily is in Mexico. I know, right? How dare she go to Mexico without us? But I hear she's having a wonderful time, according to Instagram. So I guess I will just sit here and tell you about what I'm doing to get ready for the school year. I love making lists. Um, and whenever I was trying to think of what I could possibly say on a podcast without Lily, I was like, well, I guess I could just read from a list. So I made a list of five things that you should do to get ready for school and five things that you should not do to get ready for school. The first thing, let's just jump right in. The first thing that you should do uh, whenever you're getting ready for the new school year is to prep the rest of your life. So I just submitted a paper to finish up one of my online courses and I've already alerted the people in charge at my online teacher school that I'm trying to get my master's through that I'm pretty much not going to be doing anything related to their program for the first couple weeks of school. Um, I've also made sure to make a list of any and all little errands that during the summer I would like take my leisurely time doing because it was like a fun thing to do. Um, but whenever school starts, those things that used to be fun just turn into chores. So I have those all listed and as many of those as I could get done early, get them done because during the first part of the school year, it's gonna be really hard for me, and I know it's hard for a lot of other people, to change back into that rhythm of having a schedule or having a schedule that's different than the one that you have during the summer. And so for me, I think it's just really nice to make sure that all of the little loose ends that I can tie off are all tied off because inevitably during the first week of the school year, if you have kids, they're going to be sick. If you have pets, they are going to eat something that they shouldn't have eaten and have to go to the vet. If you have a car, something will break on it. Um, so anything that could go wrong will go wrong during the first week of school. So I just try and make sure that I have as much done ahead of time as I possibly could. The next thing that I'm going to suggest you do is read the IEPs that are available to you. And I'm going to talk more later about how kids are going to get added to your class last minute. But if you read the IEPs of the students that are already on your caseload right before teacher in service week or right at teacher in service week, if your district gives you access to that stuff ahead of time, awesome. Go in and read as much as you can about your students' accommodations and modifications because you want to make sure that you are prepared to make your first lesson plans, which are all like, I'm, I haven't started my lesson planning yet. I know that whenever I start my lesson planning, if I don't look at the IEPs first, I'm going to teach the first lesson, go back, read the IEPs and be like, oh crap, here are 17 ways that I could have made that lesson better and more effective for all my students. So just save yourself the heartache and read those IEPs. I also think that Lily would probably want me to remind you that if you're a general education teacher, you're legally required to implement the accommodations and modifications in an IEP. It's a legally binding document. So I thought I would just remind you of that on behalf of Lily. You're welcome. The next thing that you should do before the first week of school or first day of school is pinpoint exactly who your resource people are. You probably already know who the principal is, who the assistant principal is, or vice principal, or the dean of students. You also want to find out like who's your department chair. 
if you are in a school that has like seven or eight math teachers, who's the math teacher that's been there the longest that is going to know how to help you whenever you have a question about the new curriculum or a change that they went to a professional development over the summer that the school district didn't have enough money for all the people to go to. So you have to touch base with them. Find out who those people are so you can get that information from them. You also want to figure out if you're new to a school, who your resource people are, like for your own personal sanity. So aside from figuring out your librarian and your IT person, you want to make sure that you know who your like who your Lily would be. So I was lucky enough to meet Lily right before the school year started. We bonded almost immediately over Taco Bell and I knew that she was going to be my go-to person for emotional support. But if you haven't met that person yet, make sure that you are aware that you need somebody like that and be careful of who you let into your circle, which I'm going to talk about more for the don'ts. The fourth thing you want to do, set up your physical classroom. So after you've read the IEPs, you're going to know if you have any students who have orthopedic impairments or mobility issues. And that way you can kind of arrange the classroom, which your classroom should always be ADA compliant. Duh. But then you can arrange your classroom so that some areas are even more ADA compliant if that's I don't know if you can be more compliant. I think compliant is one of those words where you just are or you aren't either way. Um, and you want to kind of think of how you're going to want students to flow into the room, get supplies, get to their desks, turn in work. Where's the bathroom pass going to be? If they have to sign out, where's the sign out sheet? Um, and think about those things. Chances are you're going to, if you're new to a room or new to a building, you're going to change your setup. But if you've already started thinking about it, there if you change everything in your classroom, chances are pretty good that at least one thing that you changed will show you something that you didn't already know and prove to be something useful for you in the future. So set up your classroom and set yourself up to learn how to get your classroom set up perfect or as close to perfect as it could be because as soon as you think it's perfect, everything changes. The next thing that I think you should focus on if you haven't already figured out your classroom expectations. And these are another thing similar to the setup of my room that I thought I had it nailed down at the beginning of last year, which was my first year at Best Coast High. I thought that I had my face set up and my classroom expectations set up. I was wrong. But if I hadn't started thinking about my classroom expectations, I would have been so much worse off. So I'm hoping that Lily and I can share um, our classroom expectations with you in a future episode because hers are amazing and her setup kind of helped with the rebirth of mine because I definitely had to adjust them. So make sure that you figure out your classroom expectations so that you can have those ready to go for your kiddos because even though you think that they know how to be students, they don't or they will pretend to have forgotten so that they can test and see what they can do in your classroom which may mean like laying on the countertop that's by the window. I don't know why you're doing that but please don't. Why does that have to be a thing that I explicitly say to you? It is, though, so figure that out. So that's my list of five things that you should do before the first day of school. Here are five things that I, trash teacher Rachel, believe that you should not do 
before your first day of school. And I preface that by saying that they are my opinion because some of these you will see on lists of things that you should do. So for example, a lot of teacher setup things will say, hey, set up your grade book. You should definitely go in and set up your electronic grade book, whatever your district uses, so that whenever it screws up, you can have the IT guy help you figure it out. But if you're setting up a paper grade book, which I'm hardcore on pay, I know that I shouldn't be, but I'm hardcore about having a physical paper copy because that electronic grade book has definitely erased grades and like disappeared all kinds of information thrown it away for me and I'm like, okay, well, at least I have a paper copy. So if you're a paper copy sort of person, do not set that up. Don't, no, don't set that up before the first day. Don't do it. That's a waste of your freaking time. Here's why. The first day of school is gonna come, seven of your students out of a class of like 25 are gonna drop, and then another nine students are going to join your class. Those students will not have the last names that start with a Z so that you could easily add them into the end of your roster. Another piece of paper that you shouldn't worry about on, until after the first day of school, um, which I try to do it probably the second week of school, the beginning of the second week of school, is to label stuff. Don't label anything. I know that you're thinking like, oh, but I'm setting up my classroom and I, I know that I want the pencils to be right here. So I'm just going to label this pencil cup pencils. Don't. One, does that really need labeled? And two, you don't know that that's where you want the pencils. That's what you just think you know. So I'm telling you right now, do not go label in your whole classroom because then at the end of the year, you're going to have a bottle of goo gone that you're going to make one of your students go around and scrape off a bunch of adhesive labels off of your shelves and off of weird little things that you thought needed labeled that didn't need labeled. So just don't do it. It's a waste of your time. Number three of a thing that you shouldn't do, especially if you are teaching a new class, if you're in a new school, do not go to your local office supply store and waste your money buying all sorts of school supplies that you have never used before. For example, so I started out my school year a couple years ago thinking, hey, you know what's gonna be awesome if kids have like an individual notebook. And before I even got my job, like I legit didn't even have the interview yet for the position that I ended up working at a couple years ago. I went and bought like a bunch of binders. No, because then I got hired at an AVID school and all the students already had binders. So then I just wasted money on a bunch of binders that I didn't need. And that could go for, and for last year, I went, I was like, okay, so I'm not going to buy them binders, but I'm going to buy them notebooks because then notebooks, I already double checked. It's not an avid school. They won't have binders, but if a kid has a binder, they'll just have this notebook and it'll go in the front pocket and it'll be fine. Then I go and I spend all kinds of money buying composition books, which to me are the preferred notebook. No. Because then I got there and all of the kids were like, I want a spiral. Where can I get a spiral? Why don't you have a spiral? Okay, that first of all, that's stupid. It's just a notebook and there's no difference and you aren't even going to take notes in it anyway, so quit your bitching. But secondly, I probably should have just waited. So now, because I know that they all want spirals, I'm going to go and I'm going to buy a bunch of spirals whenever they're affordable. 
but don't buy stuff until you know what the kids like. I had the same problem whenever I went and bought glue bottles. So I took a professional development on interactive notebooks that said that you should be using glue bottles and not glue sticks because most glue sticks are temporary. There's your nugget of knowledge for today's podcast. Most glue sticks are temporary. So the, the glue will stop sticking and the papers will fall out. But our school term is so short that by the time that the glue would unstick, it really didn't matter because the notebook was in the trash. So it didn't matter how long the glue lasted. What did matter is that the kids hated using glue bottles. Like they hated it. They would use the glue and then for some reason get it everywhere. I have no idea how like these older teenagers, I teach high school. I don't understand how these kids were getting glue literally on everything. So had I known that, just buy glue sticks. But I didn't know that. I was like taking advice from a professional development. I was like, oh, this lady clearly knows what she's talking about. Use bottles of glue. No, no. The kids wanted glue sticks. Just give them glue sticks. It'll just save you a lot of heartache. So don't go buying a bunch of stuff, especially if you've never used that stuff or especially if it's a new class or a new building. Just stop wasting your money because you don't know what you're going to need and you're going to waste a bunch of space in your room and you're going to waste a bunch of money. The next thing that you shouldn't do before school starts, number four, make a seating chart. That's a waste of time. I make my seating chart, and if you were wondering, I am very pro seating chart. I know some new fancy teachers are like, no, I want kids to have freedom to choose where they sit, and it gives them ownership of their education and blah, blah, blah. That might work for you. It doesn't work for me. If I have students coming in at Best Coast High, they usually have anxiety problems. If I have them come in and I say, yeah, there's a seating chart, deal with it, they will act like they're upset, but then you can see it in their eyes. They're kind of relieved that they don't have to figure out who to sit next to. So you're just taking that stress off of them. And then another thing is if you find out that a person wants to sit somewhere else or a person would be better suited somewhere else, you retain control to change that seating chart. Whereas if you start the classroom off by saying, yeah, sit wherever you like, and then you're like, oh, by the way, so if you decide later on, like a kid can't sit next to the window because they just keep staring out at birds and stuff, then you it's really hard to get kids to go to an assigned seat after you've already given that freedom. So it's easier to give them a seating chart to start with. And then if you feel like they don't need it, have them earn the right to sit wherever they want. Say like, okay, if everybody passes this quiz or if everybody turns in this assignment on time, then we all get to pick our new assigned seats and you guys can pick wherever you want to sit. I like to retain that kind of control over my classroom. I don't really think of it as like a weird dictatorship thing. It's just where you're sitting for however long the class period is. It's not the end of the world. Um, So don't waste your time making your seating chart because your kids are going to change. But you definitely want to come in like early the day of the first day of school and figure out who the guidance counselors have put in your class last minute and then seating chart away those. Because another thing, you don't really want to assume anything about the kids that you haven't met before. So if you just randomize your seating chart the first time, it makes it a lot easier too. And that you can do last minute right before the school year starts. So don't do that before the first day, do that like on the first day. The last thing that I'm gonna tell you not to do, do not go into the staff room and gossip or complain 
about anything, anything. Do not complain about anything that you did over the summer. Do not complain about how many students are in your classes. Do not complain about how many of those students have IEPs. Do not gossip about what you saw another teacher doing over the summer. Don't gossip about students. Don't gossip about teachers. Don't gossip about administrators. Don't gossip about or don't complain about curriculum. Don't complain about district changes. Don't complain about any of that shit at the beginning of the school year in the faculty room. You are going negative attracts negative. I mean, unless it's magnets. I don't think that's how magnets work. Negativity attracts other negativity. And all of that is just going to come piling on top of each other to make for like a terrible beginning of the school year. And then the new people at your school are going to be like, oh, that's the person that bitches and complains all the time. I don't want to be friends with them. And they're right, because if you're bitching and complaining at the beginning of the fucking school year, they probably shouldn't be friends with you because you just had like a two and a half month fucking vacation away from work. And I don't give a shit if something bad happened to you. Save that for your close friends. Don't complain about it in the staff room because you're just a Debbie Downer and you're ruining everybody else's back to school year. So like, don't do that. Without Lily, I don't really have anything else to say. She kind of makes me think more than I make myself think. So I guess, um, I guess I'll just go then. But if you want to talk to me some more, you can always email us. We are trashteachers at gmail.com. And you can find us on our website, www.trashteachers.com. And we're definitely on Instagram as at Trash Teachers. We're also on Facebook as Trash Teachers and Twitter as at Trash Teachers. So hit us up, say hello, and I hope that if you are starting a new school year as a teacher that you have a bomb.com time. And if you're starting a new school year as a parent, yay, congrats, you made it through the summer. And yeah, reach out to me and let me know how you're doing. Thanks. Bye.